Hey everyone, I'm Julie Gunlock, host of the Bespoke Parenting Hour. For those new to the program, this podcast is focused on how parents should custom tailor their parenting style to fit what's best for their families, themselves, and most importantly, their kids. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by my friend and IWN colleague, Erica Anderson. Hello, Erica. Hey, Julie. Thank you for having me on again. (laughs) Yes, it's great. As you guys know, she's a freelance writer. She's a mom. She's living in Indianapolis, Indiana. And she is the author of two books. Um, Her latest is Reason to Return, Why Women Need the Church and the Church Needs Women. She's also a columnist for World Magazine. So Erica, it's great to have you here. Um, I would love to talk about your book a little bit, but I'd also like to talk um, to start off by talking about your previous book. And I guess I should first say the reason that we're going to be talking today um, at all is because you and I both noticed, um, this is more of a pop culture issue, but we both noticed this article um, or this sort of viral uh, sort of news story where Kristen Bell, um, she is an actress, she's a comedian, she's been in a bunch of different things. She was interviewed, and actually, I think it was a podcast where she first said this. Let me let me read from People Magazine, who did a story on this. Um, she, it said, Kristen Bell revealed during an appearance on the Kelly Clarkson show. Okay, so she's on the Cla- Kelly Clarkson show. That, quote unquote, although it sounds insane, uh, she lets her two daughters, an eight-year-old and a nine-year-old, drink non-alcoholic beer alongside her husband, Dax Shepard, who is a recovering addict. And then People Magazine goes on to say non-alcoholic beer is a brewed beverage that is modeled to smell, look, and taste like real craft beer, but it only contains trace amounts of alcohol. It's made for people to enjoy the taste of beer or or like the experience of drinking it, but want to avoid alcohol. So that is sort of the basis of what we're going to be talking about. And I think, Erica, you and I are both similar in that we don't really like this sort of judgy mom narrative. We don't like, you know, this is the Bespoke Parenting Podcast. I, I feature people who, you know, tend to be pretty flexible on parenting issues and aren't what I like to call... Um, you know, just really stuck on one particular kind of parenting mode. But I think this goes beyond that a little bit. So I wanted to get your thoughts. And about your original book, the reason I reached out to you to talk about this is that you have written about addiction, about alcoholism and neglect and abuse. And it was related to what your husband went through, a really incredible story of basically rising out of poverty and in an abusive situation. Your your husband also had uh, was an addict um, and, and rose above that. He's now an incredible man raising a family and living a very meaningful life. So I thought you would be a great person to touch on that. So maybe we could start off what was your reaction when you saw this video or when you saw her say this, or this sort of viral video that went around? Yeah. So I actually, <clears throat> I heard her say it on Dak Shepard, her husband's podcast. Um, I listened to that fairly regularly. And so I kind of just thought it was weird when I first heard it. I'm like, that's really strange. Um, and I didn't think, I really wasn't like overthinking it. But then when you brought it up and we were talking about it, I started thinking about more about how um, that doesn't seem like a great idea. Um, and, you know, at first glance, I can understand how she might think it's harmless, but having, um, done a lot of research on how the body works and how, um, brains, um, when they're exposed to any kind of substance at any point before the age of 25 or 
are more likely to shift towards alcohol abuse or uh, substance abuse later in life. Like that's where I would pause and say, I don't think this is a good idea because like you said, there is a little bit of alcohol in non-alcoholic beer, even if it's trace amounts um, for a little body, that could be more than what it would be for um, an adult body, of course. And also just getting that, just getting that into the body, the body um, just has this natural response to that, to where later on down the road, say when they're teenagers or when they're young adults and they're drinking, it actually could have a negative impact on how their body reacts to alcohol in the future. Um, and I'm, I, I really struggle with this because Dax Shepard, like you said, he is a recovering alcoholic. Um, it runs in his it runs family. In their family. Yeah. He talks about it all the time, but he is weird about stuff. If you listen yes. to his podcast, he talks about, he has said, I hope my kids try like mushrooms. And he yeah. has said things like that. He's like, I want them to experience things. And I find that odd because I'm over here going, I don't, I hope my kids never do that. And how am I going to stop them? And I don't know. But yeah, yeah. so anyway, weird. that's my yeah. long-winded yeah. Everybody should expect, everyone should experience the risk of turning your life into a train wreck and then they recover from it. Not this well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's it, it isn't smart logic. The other thing that I think is really important to talk about here is sort of this normalization of alcohol at every meal. Right. Mm -hmm. So the idea is her husband is a recovered alcoholic. So now he drinks non-alcoholic beer. You know, it's interesting to me because I think also this is true of people even who diet, like, you know, you, or, or people who are trying to, you know, they're trying to ascribe to some orthodoxy, let's say vegetarianism. And then they, you know, there's all these things in the market that are like, they're tofu crumbles that look exactly like ground beef <laughs> or, you know, people like shape tofu into a turkey and they inject it with all sorts of flavorings to make it taste like meat. And I'm always like, guys, just I just, eat a lot, just eat a butternut squash and be happy. Right. <laughs> and I feel a little bit like sometimes these, now I think there's a whole group of people who, and there's been a lot of like writing on this, who want to cut down on alcohol. They might think that they're developing bad habits, but they're not, they don't view themselves or see themselves as needing to go cold turkey. And I think some of these products are really great for that. There's this whole, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow has a line of like non-alcoholic, you know, mixers and this whole kind of like herbs and spices. And, you know, mm -hmm. I, I love the idea of having more choice. Um, but when you're dealing with a recovered alcoholic and he's drinking non-alcoholic beer and then the girls are doing this, it tells the girls, I think, in this sort of parent way that alcohol is a part of our lives, even if it's mm -hmm. non-alcoholic beer. It's sort of right. the idea of alcohol. So to me, I mean, I'm, I get it about the trace amount of alcohol in the beer. And yes, I agree with you that that's like not something you want to do. But to me, it's more a message that's being sent that I think is a little bit concerning. Do you feel that way too, that it's sort of normalizing the idea of alcohol, which to me, or glamorizing it, which mm -hmm. to me is a huge risk uh, to send people sort of on a bad path with alcohol? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the many reasons that I decided to get sober is because I wanted to I didn't want my kids to see that and think this is just what you do. I didn't want them to see us drinking all the time, um, which we were doing pretty frequently before. And, um, you know, I watch family members, my sister um, and her husband, they drink pretty much like every night around their kids. And now my niece is coming up to be 13. And I'm like, 
I don't know. I don't know what that's going to mean for her having seen this in her house every single day. Um, I don't think it means you turn into an, an addict because of that. I, I, there's a lot that goes into it. And see, this is what people don't think about um, is it is a, there is a lot of genetics involved in addiction. Yeah. Um, it's genetics. It's also, again, how early someone has a substance in their body. The earlier, this is what statistics show, the earlier you drink or do drugs, the more likely you are to become addicted later. Like someone that waits until they're 21 to drink, very, very unlikely that they're going to become an alcoholic. Um, And that is just what the statistics show. And it's because as we all know, like your brain is not fully formed at that time. And so when you're putting substances in your body, you are shaping your brain for the future. And so, you know, the messaging part is part of it. That part is part of it. And people will sometimes say like, um, well, you know, in Europe, they drink in every meal. Rates of alcoholism in Europe are very high. They're, they're having problems. Okay. So yeah. let's not use I love them it. as I, an example. I, I love it when they say, well, French women aren't fat. And I'm like, have you been to France? There's tons of fat, fat <laughs> yeah. French people. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there's a, you know, just like there's been a huge sober movement in the United States recently, you're, you're also seeing that overseas um, because of the, because people are like, dang, this is ruining lives. Like we have to make some changes. You know, it's interesting since we're on this subject, the um, uh, a Biden administration official came out recently and said, and right now the nutrition guidelines are being revamped. They revamp them every five years and come out with some ridiculous thing like don't eat mushrooms or don't eat this, right? Actually, it's not that bad. Well, but it's bad because they (laughs) just came out with a recommendation that the average woman can have like one drink a week and the average man can have two drinks a week. Look, I, I get it. Okay. I get that they're like, they're, you know, there's lots of people over there at these federal agencies who don't have, they're fun stealers, right? They just don't <laughs> like, they don't want us to have meat. They don't want us to have fat. They don't want us to have anything. Right. So I get that. Everybody kind of th- takes the advice, rolls their eyes and goes on with their life. But don't you think that sometimes when these recommendations come out, there is a backlash of just like, I'm not going to listen to anything you say, right? When they're when the recommendations are this unreasonable, and so I feel like we've got people on one side of it, you know, saying it has to be cold, like no alcohol and cold turkey, but then we ignore true warnings about mm-hmm. too much consumption in this country. Tell us a little bit more about alcohol consumption in this country, because I do think that that is important, and that people know that drinking and i think i think some of these government regulations are insane okay because the other thing that they fail to point out is that alcohol consumed moderately and appropriately is part of a wonderful evening and that's joy and happiness are also healthy Mm -hmm. um so you know having a steak or a, a cookout with your friends and having a beer after a long day of work you know I don't think anyone wants to demonize that. So, but what would you say to people? What is some good information about alcohol and sort of alcohol consumption that everyone should know? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think when it comes to regulations, I, I, you know, I think we all have to make our own choices. I don't want the government coming in and telling people they can't buy and drink alcohol. I don't think that's going to go over well at all. Um, and I think we all kind of have to be adults about it and make our own decisions, um, but informed decisions. And I think one of the things that people don't realize is, for example, <clears throat> on the side of women, um, the alcohol industry, like big alcohol, 
started targeting women, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago in a way that they never had prior to, I can't tell you the exact year, but maybe the 80s or early 90s. Alcohol advertising was really geared towards men. It was like Bud Light. Yeah. It yeah. was, you know, well, not anymore. No, not, not anymore. They started to realize there's a, there's a study. I can't remember exactly what it says, but it's something like when they packaged like the exact same product and like made it pink and for women, they could charge like, a, you know, a 25% more or something. It's yeah. like, oh my gosh, women are like, they're like the people that we need to sell to. And so advertising completely changed. And that's why you see now of like a gajillion. Well, you know, it's, it's, well, it's interesting, Erica, because I actually would defend the alcohol industry on that because they're no different than they're, any they're, other. They're, they're no different than any business. other. And right. They're no different from any other business that wants to capitalize on a demographic that might want their product. And right. so I see a lot of demonization of the industry because you know, we say here, let's be adults and drink responsibly. And the alcohol industry is the first one to be like, drink responsibly, right? It's like, I always feel like it's um, because they don't want these harsh reg regulations. So they don't want people to act in a way that can abuse their product. And I feel like the same way, the same argument is for, you know, anything, you know, we can overeat, we can drive too fast, we can use guns in ways that we're not supposed to use them, right? And that kill people. And so I feel like in some way, I understand that there is criticism of any industry that markets in a way that you think, I mean, you know, it's, it's funny, because I used to be a little bit more critical of sort of industry targeting until I got really into the vaping issue. And there's all this narrative out there that, oh, va the vaping companies are attracting kids. But then when you actually do research in the flavors that adults like, and let's just back up for a minute and go, you don't lose your cravings for cotton candy when you get to be like, it's not like at 18, it's like, poof, it's gone. I only <laughs> like carrots now, right? You don't get your, you don't lose your craving for ice cream. You don't lose your craving for creme brulee and some of the, the, well, that's a more sophisticated one. But if you actually do research on people who have switched to vaping, it was the variety of flavors. And some of the flavors that people like are like bubble gum and cotton candy. And so then what the regulators do is they come in and they say, well, see, you're targeting kids. I think a little bit of that is true with, with the alcohol industry. And I, I understand <laughs> what you're saying and understanding that, that it might be, but again, I love the idea of whipped cream vodka, right? I think that sounds delicious. And so well, I think there's probably market research that they've done and they see, oh my gosh, we've been doing pre Dylan Mulvaney days. We did a lot of, you know, bro kind of advertising and some smart marketer was like, hey, let's open it up to women. And I don't mean to be like, you know, defend, you know, alcohol companies or something like that, but I do think that they take far too much of the blame. Well, I think- what's important more important than than what they're doing is is just that people n kind of know about it which sure. like again you said like they're just taking advantage of what the market wants which is what that's fine okay i believe in the free market however when you are like me and you have read um a lot of statistics and a lot of research about the history of this like there's a book which i don't really like because it's super lefty um in terms of politics <laughs> but it's called uh, I think it's called Drink Like a Woman. Um, it's by this woman named Holly Whitaker. It gets really weirdly feministy, but there's a lot of information in there about the history. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. And you kind of feel like they are 
kind of using you. And once you know that you can make a better informed decision about how you want yeah. to respond to that well, kind of people, advertising. People, people should have a pretty healthy idea that any company is using you. Well, that's you true. Are the con- <laughs> you are the consumer and you have money right. and, and you are going to buy a product. And so I just, you know, that's something that I think industry takes to, uh, is unfairly blamed for things. I think that is very common though today. And I think it's even post COVID become, a very normal thing to be skeptical and and actually cynical about you know everything's out to get us and look i i'm i'm sympathetic a little bit because a lot of people you know are really feeling pretty cranky about how we were treated during covid and the lack of information and boy has this podcast gone off the rails now i'm into covid erica <laughs> well covid well <laughs> let me let me bring it back to you because um you know what what covid has to do with alcohol is that the the most glaring statistic that I found is that uh, mothers with children five and under during COVID increased their drinking by three hundred percent. Oh, okay, that oh, was yeah, the yeah. number one increased group, and I was among them because I had a two and a four year old when COVID started, and you were trapped in your house with them. And yeah, and so I I quit drinking actually in September of 2020. So I think I, I sort of got the best of me, and that's the point where I kind of was like, I gotta I gotta stop, but. Um, but so yeah, COVID certainly exacerbated a problem, especially for people that already had addictions because they couldn't go to AA meetings. They couldn't go out and get away from anything. And so that was another you know negative consequence of all the shutdowns among the many other negative consequences. Yeah, I remember, I remember very clearly a viral video. I laughed my butt off. It's still, I'm like about to burst into laughter because it was a guy on, it was, it was still during the two weeks to stop the spread. So it was very early. Yeah, I know, I know. But it was very, very early on. And this guy was on a jog in his neighborhood and it was recycle day. And he was he was on his normal jog and he starts his camera and he's like, oh my gosh. And again, it was it was only two weeks into COVID. Everybody's stuck in their house. And he's going around to the recycle bins and he's looking and it's all hard liquor. Oh it's my like gosh. Bottles and bottles of hard liquor. And I think they're because you know, it's sort of like when a snowstorm's coming and you're like, I'm gonna go to the store and I'm gonna get chili ingredients. Yeah. And here, like and have so it's much gonna fun. be a party. And then it was a party that never stopped, right? Don't yeah. have to go back to the office. And so yes, I can see that that was an issue over um over COVID. But you know, now and taking this back to the Kristen Baum Dak Shepherd thing, you know, I think one thing that is a real problem in this country, and I, I don't mean to suggest that they're not good parents because actually they seem like hilarious parents they seem pretty great and you know what's more important what the most important thing to kids is intact families yes uh, families who pay attention to them uh, you know strong marriages people who can laugh so if anybody watches this and thinks that we are just piling on you know no we we think they're great parents like good parents they know i'm so glad i'm so i'm always so worried that i'm going to hear that they're getting divorced someday oh i know so upset if that happens yeah yeah i can't get over jonas what the jonas brother i know that was wrong with him what is wrong with him talk about a drinking problem she said i don't know if he read yeah she seems like she might have an issue a bit of a party girl, but anyway, yeah. okay. See, see, I'm, we're going off. A different All right. anyway, but the point is, is that, so that, you know, but I do think this is a misstep. And I think that, you know, one of the things that you've got to be careful with is suggesting to kids that b- beer, because you know, this whole idea of like, Oh, you're drinking. Nana. I know how kids react to that stuff. 
you know, it's like, oh, cool. I'm drinking what daddy's drinking. And it tastes like beer. It smells like beer. And they don't really understand alcohol right, right. now. They, they it's all the same to them. Yes, an eight-year-old and a nine-year-old. But the other thing is about non-alcoholic beer. And this was the other thing, because Dak Shepard, I just want to give you this quote. Dak Shepard, in reaction to this, because, you know, it went viral and everybody was talking about it. He said, and I couldn't believe this response. He kind of, uh, um, what is it, clapped? trying to be all current with my terminology. <laughs> Clap back. Clap, Clap back. back. Uh, he said, orange juice has 0.5% alcohol by volume. Heineken has 0.0. And I, I assume he's meaning a Heineken non-alcoholic. Yeah. 0.0. If you're serving your kids orange juice, you're serving them way more alcohol. Okay. Well, you know, it's that's not, a, yeah, that's it's a, about a, the message. Like you right, said, that's a phony baloney excuse and fine. You kind of, we kind of talked about that, how it, you know, it, it has some alcohol. It's most not, I don't even know about that. Heineken has 0. 0.7, 0.0. Maybe he found one that truly is alcohol free. Although Kristen Bell in another statement admitted, yeah, some of these non-alcoholic beers have alcohol, but the point really is that these non-alcoholic beers are, they are unbelievable, by the way. I've had them. They taste like beer. Tastes like beer. Okay. Now, if you're like a super beer aficionado and you're like, oh, this is a craft beer from this tiny hamlet in Germany and you can like identify <laughs> it, right? Okay. Probably you're not impressed. I'm not a big beer drinker. So to me, it passes. And so I, I am more concerned about the normalization of beer or beverage, this particular kind of beverage, giving them a taste of or a craving for that. And again, I think it can lead to some bad habits in the future. Any last words? What, 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 any, you know, any other thoughts on this before we? I would just encourage people to be informed about alcohol and what it does to the body. And I'm not saying that that means you have to stop drinking, but once you sort of discover that it is bad for you, um, and it's, and, and also I would say more than anything, I want to, um, I want people to do the best they can to get their kids to start trying it later in life. Yes, uh, the, yes. the further along, if they can wait till they're 21, that's going to make their lives better. That's going to make the world better. We're going to have less problems because as you know, um, alcohol is, is, is destroys families. I mean, yeah. and so the way, the path to less abuse of alcohol is the better path. And so just being informed about how that, that affects people, I think is the best thing that people can do. That is a great place to end. But before I do, I just want to give you just a second to talk about your new book. If you could just mm -hmm. give us a quick summary because sure. I think it's exciting. Yes. So my new book, Reason to Return, Why Women Need the Church and the Church Needs Women, um, was really um, kind of built on my uh, love for women and my desire to see them flourish in their lives and in their faith. And I, we know so many people have left the church or they have you know, kind of been floundering in their faith. And I just wanted to give them some encouragement and some guidance um, to get back into a faith community because they're, again, I'm a statistics person and you'll find them all in the book, like how much a genuine faith community affects your life in positive ways. And then therefore your family, your community and the world, it's just like an outpouring of like, you know, it goes on and on. And so um, faith community is like one of the most powerful things that we can do honestly for society. It's also a very powerful thing for children, yes. giving children that community, giving them the, those traditions, giving them guidance in how to continue to be a family of faith, I think is another way in which parents can model good behaviors for their kids. Erica, it's always so great to talk to you. Um, where can we find you on social media? Yeah, Erica Anderson, all over the place. If you Google me, I'll pop up with a million websites and Twitter and Instagram and all of that. <laughs> Thanks for coming on today, Erica. Thank you. 
Um, I love talking to Erica. She's so fun. The Bespoke Parenting Podcast with Julie Gunlock is a production of the Independent Women's Forum. You can send comments and questions to julie.gunlock at iwf.org. Please help me out by hitting the subscription button and leaving us a comment or review on Apple Podcasts, Acast, Google Play, YouTube, or iwf.org. Hang in there, parents, and go bespoke.